Welcome back, everybody. It's CFB Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by the owner and proprietor of CFB Winning Edge, Nicholas Ian Allen. Follow him on the Twitter at CFB Winning Edge and Xavier Trish at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E. And today we're going to be talking about a little spring practice, a couple uh, guys going into the transfer portal as well, some big recruiting news. Um, but this is kind of the lull area. So this is where you're starting to see um, a lot of those weird articles come out, right, Nick? So what's a Nick, give me the weirdest article or like the most attention grabby article in college football that, that you've seen so far this offseason. Oh, wow. Um, this is an unplanned question. Yeah, I did not. Yeah, Nick loves to prep and I'm throwing and I, <laughs> yep. And I'm throwing him a, a curveball here. Here's Scott, and uh, the first thing you want to put out there is, <laughs> is uh, something I was not at all prepared for. Now, uh, nice. Well, so I'm, I'm probably not, I guess the, the best person to answer that because I do have certain things that I look for and I do a pretty good job of ignoring pretty much everything else like i i look for uh right now anything related to personnel you know new depth chart news things like that look for uh reports in spring as as little as oh so and so is not on the roster anymore like third string you know tight end or whatever um and (laughs) so i do kind of miss a lot of the the bigger uh pieces but one thing that we'll talk about i mean you you alluded to it already big recruiting news we don't talk a whole lot about recruiting uh that's true other than maybe on on signing day but there was something that happened today that as little as i pay attention kind of caught my eye and it's part of another story which is also something that i do a pretty good job right now of ignoring all the nil stuff and (laughs) i'm in these big multi-million dollar deals and, and things like that. But I felt like it was, it was important enough that we, you know, could at least discuss it. And, and uh, you know, the, the news being that Tennessee's just landed a, a five-star uh, quarterback as a commitment um, who had interest from Alabama and Georgia, Oregon, among others, uh, Nico Iamalieve, and I probably butchered that. I apologize. Um, but, you know, first ever five-star, or excuse me, not first ever, but first five-star quarterback, if he does sign with Tennessee, uh, would be the first since, I believe, 2003. But also, um, he's apparently recently signed an NIL deal that could be worth up to $8 million over oh my God. the next four years. And so I don't you know, I, I don't know a whole lot of, I haven't done a lot of research and honestly, I'm not uh, super interested in it, to be honest with you, um, in the NIL stuff quite yet. Like that just hasn't, just hasn't really appealed to me very much, but this is a dollar amount that one was eye grabbing one. I yeah. had seen, uh, well, I believe last week, Stuart Mandel of the uh, athletic. Um, and I, tr- I went back and read what he wrote and they didn't mention uh, Yamileve in the in the piece, and so I don't know if it's actually like public that he's signed this. It just said like a okay. recruit, a five star guy. I don't know. I'm I'm again probably not the best person to talk about either recruiting or nil, but <laughs> but you know it was it was a no, so present I guess in my uh, world and the things that pop out to me that uh, I took note. Uh, you know, I, I I did take notice of it. Um, it's very interesting, the, the the recruiting one. But let me give you an example of what I'm talking about because I just uh, I just looked at the athletic, and this is one from from our guy Stuart Mandel, and it is um, Mandel's mailbag, and it says, "Why are elite football schools not often that great in men's basketball and football?" That's the stuff I'm talking about, like the stuff that doesn't really need to be answered. That's kind of what you're getting uh, right now. So, but we will talk about uh, the Tennessee quarterback signing a little bit. Also, um, Xavier would love to hear your thoughts on this article that came out about Urban Meyer not knowing who Debo Samuel and Aaron Donald are. Oh, uh, amazing! Yeah, I mean, how, like, come on, man. I would say between the three of us, I have 
the shortest knowledge on players in college football. And I still, I still know a ton. I'm not going to miss out on the biggest stars, like maybe recruiting stars. I, I might miss yeah. like, like Nick mentioned, uh, but I'm, I'm going to know who the biggest players in college football are. And I'm just a regular dude. Right. So like, how the hell does urban Meyer not know who Debo Samuel uh, who's one of the best players in college football before he got drafted uh, yep. is and Aaron Donald, who has won NFL defensive MVP three times. Yep. And he says, I hear 99 is going to be a problem for us. I mean, I feel like that almost <laughs> had to be sarcasm. I mean, you would hope so, right? Like you would hope that your coach wasn't completely oblivious of guys that were going to get drafted in the first top 10 picks. Uh, Debo Samuel, one of the most electrifying, electrifying players in college at the time. Um, and obviously, we've seen what he's done as a Swiss Army knife in the NFL. Like it's 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 um it's mind blowing and mind boggling that a guy of his stature could miss out on people of this level. Like like it, it, it's 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 crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess I hear this Bryce Young guy's okay, huh? Nick? Right. Yeah. So, pro- probably <laughs> probably like, should be focusing on him, huh? Like yeah, you know this 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 Stroud kid, Stroud Stroud Stroud. Is it Stroud? Up in Ohio State. How do you say it? You know, yeah. Yeah. Right. I I saw that this morning, uh, and, and I, I had to assume Nick knows who Debo Samuel Donald. and Aaron Donald are, and he doesn't watch the NFL at all. <laughs> right. Well, so I I haven't fully read it, but I've seen a couple of the uh, you know screenshots of of things that were uh, part of the story and and the piece about Aaron Donald, which it it seems there's uh, a pretty strong uh, feeling that that that's probably something that was said sarcastically because yeah even i know who errol donald you know aaron donald is um how about the um the the boys from the sec uh aren't smart in some see that 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 wasn't bad that was dj shark saying that that, yeah he just said from the south right yeah that 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 yeah that that was bad yeah. By the way, three Southern boys on this podcast right here. So what the hell are you talking about? We're obviously smart. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, obviously here. Okay. To give you a weird one. Uh, I don't even think it was a weird one, but I just think it's a university that just will, will not and will refuse to be comfortable with their quarterback situation. So Georgia had its pro day over the la- uh, last week and uh, George Pickens was, you know, obviously at the pro day, but he didn't get all the noise. No, 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 no. Carson Beck, who is throwing him the balls, got several <laughs> big time tweets from some big Georgia folks. They're like, You see that guy spinning the ball to him? That's Carson Beck. I'm like, Can we just sit on the quarterback, guys? We just won a national championship. Can we just be okay with the quarterbacks that we have, whomever that is? Like, we're getting hype over a kid at a pro day throwing for a on air, essentially. Like, no pads. He's not even wearing a helmet, no Johnny Manziel. Like, he is just out here throwing like he would be doing on a regular Tuesday afternoon. Let's calm down, everybody. I mean, people get excited about their recruits, you know, uh, and and how often you're not going to see Carson Beck on the field, hopefully, this year. So, you know, I, I get it. I get it. at least people getting excited for a reason. It's not, you know, uh, I don't know. There's just some weird articles was my whole point. We got completely sidetracked. So you're right. Uh, well, this is- Evan, and – you know, with with the NCAA tournament going on, you get a lot yeah. of the, the brackets. Uh, one, I was just scrolling through. Uh, you know, if it was a college football bracket, right. that one was yeah, great. If it was a college football one, you know, uh, there's one on two four seven sports. Uh, what college football teams capable of making a Cinderella run in 2022? I haven't I haven't read it yet, but uh, the picture is of Hendon Hooker, uh, Tennessee lists uh, NC State. Minnesota, you know, so, so there, there are certainly, and I, I worked for a little while for, um, you know, websites and, and there are certain, uh, uh, parts of the year where you're starving yeah. a little bit for what am I going to write about? I've got to write, you know, X amount of, uh, uh pieces per week. And I don't blame month, anyone for, and, for using an attention grabbing headline, man. Like, you know, you get the clicks, it, it's your job. You know, so I completely understand. I just think some of them are funnier than other ones is all because oh, you'll, you'll get you'll you'll get all like, you know, what if you took this frontline starter and made him a closer? Like you'll get weird stuff like that in baseball. You get it in every sport. So I just I wasn't sure if there was one on the front of your mind 
there, there wasn't, but there's always those ones, uh, that, that come in. So, um, should we get back on practice, uh, on track now to, to practice because spring practice is obviously going on. Uh, Georgia tech just had theirs, Missouri, um, so a couple other schools. So, um, from this week of spring practice, Nick, and, uh, by the way, when we come back, we're going to skip next week, just so everybody knows, and we'll have two weeks of spring practice to cover in a couple weeks here. But uh, from this week's spring practice, Nick, what stood out to you the most? Well, so I, I did get a chance to watch the Georgia Tech spring game. Uh, it was on Thursday. It was broadcast on uh, ACC Network. Um, I was able to, to catch a replay of it. Uh, after the fact, and you know, it it being the first one, I'm sure a lot of people um, saw it, and you know, was basically the the first. I know Co- Coastal Carolina had their uh, actual spring game a, a week or more ago, but uh, this was the first you know broadcast live, and and certainly people who are itching for uh, information or just a little bit of you know college football uh, probably check this out. So we we might not be. Uh, breaking any news here or, or anything, but uh, I was able to catch it. Um, I thought it was interesting. Uh, I, I had been under the impression that Jeff Sims, Georgia Tech's uh, starting quarterback, was perhaps you know really going to be pushed for that starting spot. Uh, Georgia Tech brought in a former uh, starting quarterback at, from Akron, in Zach Gibson um, seemed like, you know, he, he had had some success, not necessarily for uh, a winning team. And, and it was a situation where he was transferring closer to home, but it still felt to me when it happened, like, uh, you know, Sims has been disappointing at times. He, he hasn't taken care of the football very well at times. He was injured uh, off and on last year, mess, missed multiple games, it just seemed to me like he was maybe losing his grip on, on that job a little bit, but I thought it was particularly interesting that Jeff Collins in some interviews during the the spring game, he didn't say, you know, Jeff Sims is our starter and Zach Gibson is, you know, his backup, but the sideline reporter actually asked a question about Zach Gibson and the way Collins reacted. He was like, well, first it starts with, Jeff Sims and da 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 and and sort of the the broadcast team mm. in the booth sort of made the emphasis that Jeff Sims is the starter. Um, Zach Gibson will be, you know, they they came out and said it that way. But that was that was a little bit interesting to me, a little bit of of news because usually in spring practice we get even in cases where we expect uh, a guy is you know definitely the the uh, has the inside track to a particular role or, or spot on the depth chart. We get some coach speak that's like, oh yeah, every job is open and, and um, you know, he's going to have to uh, uh, battle for this job. He's going to have to beat him out and, and all that. And that just wasn't the reaction that we got. And, and so uh, that, that to me was, was kind of interesting because Georgia Tech is uh, a program that has not shown the growth that a lot of people expected Jeff Collins came in, you know, talked a good game. One, beat down expectations a little bit by talking about how much work had to be done to rebuild the roster and change the system and all that. But enough time has passed and enough has changed in college football over the last couple of years that, you know, now you got to win. And he, I think, is uh, probably uh, pretty high on a list if you were to say uh, who are the top, you know, three or five coaches that might get fired this year. I, I would put Jeff Collins pretty high on that list. And part of it is, you know, uh, there is still work work to do on the roster, but Jeff Sims is somebody that you can perhaps build around. He he has been inconsistent, but he is talented enough. He can do some, uh, you know, dynamic things on the ground. He's had some, you know, some real big games at times. Um, And so perhaps – You've got a new offensive coordinator. You've got a new quarterbacks coach. You've got a head coach that is uh, basically, you know, fighting for his job this year. Seems like if I were to, to infer sort of what happened, maybe he's saying, all right, we can't pussyfoot around. We've got to 
uh, rally around our guy and get him ready to play because we've got to hit the ground, you know, running. I think they opened with Clemson, right? So uh, there's there's no time to waste. They have one of the toughest schedules in, in college football. It just, you know, I, I, I guess I didn't think about all that ahead of time. And so it was a little bit of a surprise that that was the reaction I got. But, you know, beyond that, what else is there at Georgia Tech? I mean, there there was some excitement with it being uh, kind of the, the first, you know, Power 5 spring game that we were able to see. There were some, you know, new players in new positions. I'm always a little bit of a sucker when a wide receiver gets, uh, you know, moved to tight end. I think, oh, yeah, you know, maybe they'll uh, kind of explode and, and uh, give them a little bit more, athleticism at that position. And PJ Harris was somebody that they talked about, made that move. He's going to be a smaller tight end, but be interesting to see what he can do there. Hassan Hall uh, had a couple of moments, transfer from Louisville, running back, former All-ACC, uh, All-ACC return man. Uh, perhaps he can give that offense a little bit of a spark. Offensive line is in uh, transition. A couple of highly rated recruits, Paul uh, Tichio from Clemson and Pierce Quick from Alabama look like they're in line for starting spots. I know, you know, linebacker was a position I have a little bit of concern about, but Demetrius Knight, a former quarterback, had a, a pretty impressive spring game. And then they really, really were talking up Derek Allen at safety, former uh, Michigan transfer. But, you know, I don't know. I'm 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 losing my train of thought again. <laughs> but uh, no, I get what you're saying. So rally the troops around one guy, right? Like that's what you want to to keep your job. Make Jeff Sims the leader uh, of the the clubhouse and and go out and get it done. So I, I completely understand. Was there anything from? Um, I know you had a couple of uh, markers here about the Missouri practice as well. What stood out from them? Sure. So Missouri held its uh, scrimmage on Saturday. It was not broadcast on SEC Network or anything. I did a quick YouTube search, and and there are some highlights out there, but there I, I apparently was not a broadcast of, of any type. Um, they've got. I a, mean, a, why is the SEC Network even going then? Like, come on, man! Like, what are you doing? They they got to run. Uh, I, I don't know. That's a great question. It just surprises me that you have this whole network and football is the big draw. And I know there's other sports going on, of course, all the time. Uh, but um, the spring game is going to put the most eyes on your channel. So I'm surprised they didn't have that. I, I was a little surprised, too. Um, so there there might have been just something that I, I missed. Uh, it was, of course, while the NCAA tournament was going on, I think. Uh, there might have been some women's basketball on SEC Network, the, the uh, tournament uh going on potentially but i would have expected I, I did a quick search on saturday and didn't see it maybe an espn plus if if nothing else but maybe missouri said hey we can't you know have you for, for whatever reason and, and maybe i missed that but uh the big notes i saw did did see a couple of write-ups um of course we've talked before that missouri has a, a quarterback battle going on tyler macon and brady cook apparently they both uh, performed decently well, and the passing game was uh, sort of on display. Uh, it sounds like Georgia transfer and you know former five-star uh, high school recruit JT Daniels was in town uh, for the spring game. So Missouri apparently is is a finalist along with West Virginia and Oregon State among the most likely landing spots for him. Um, the a few names that seemed like they impressed. Uh, at least some of the folks who were on hand and, and wrote about it a little later. Nathaniel Pete, who recently transferred from Stanford, he's a, a local, I believe, from Columbia uh, specifically, but a, a Missouri um, native. Sounded like he staked his claim to be the top back there. There'd been some thought that Elijah Young uh, perhaps was in the mix. I know they got kind of a, a an intriguing name to me, a, a Division Two transfer who just put up absolutely huge uh numbers at truman state cody schrader um but you know most people seem to think that it's it's either going to be pete or young and pete really you know performed kind of uh, at the best uh or, or you know at his high potential uh during the spring game i know they've got a five-star 
wide receiver Luther Burden, who apparently has just shown, you know, that type of superstar potential all spring, but performed really well in the game as well. And then uh, Dominic Lovett um, had a 60-yard catch-and-run touchdown on a screen pass that that apparently was impressive. So, um, you know, few few news and notes from there, but all seems to sort of uh, – it's a little bit of a wait and see, I guess. You know, will JT Daniels – end up there if Missouri miss out and misses out on both Daniels and they were, you know, had a connection to uh, Jaden Daniels earlier in the cycle. What does that mean? Does that mean that they're, you know, still going to be out there looking that they're not comfortable with making or cook or did one of those guys or both of those guys perform well enough this spring so that, you know, if you miss out on a, a transfer uh, you're going to be able to hand over the offense to, to one of those. Cause I think Missouri does have, you know, some promise and, and could make some noise in the SEC East. I don't think they're going to win it, uh, but, you know, they, they I believe, could be a very tough out at the very worst in a bowl team, certainly. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how that quarterback position plays out. Xavier, your thoughts on uh, the spring games here, obviously Georgia Tech and Missouri being the two uh, biggest draws so far. Yeah, tech was huge, and, and the fact that this is going to be whether this is you know the fall of Jeff Collins, it starts now, or if this is Jeff Collins saving his you know his job, and I think it was very imperative for him to you know outrightly state that Jeff Sims is his guy, and I think Jeff Sims gives him the best opportunity to win week in and week out. I'm um, on top of that. That's kind of that was kind of the 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 trophy in his cabinet per se when he first got to Georgia Tech. Uh, you know, Jeff Sims was an Under Armour All-American. Uh, Jeff Sims also had a really great Under Armour All-American game. And, you know, the the the, the hype wheel kind of started from there. Um, he hasn't been able to reach those heights since being there. Uh, but if you're going to hitch your wagon to a guy, you're gonna, probably going to hitch it to the guy that you, you know, claim to be, you know, there for from the beginning. And so I think that's what Jeff Collins was doing. I think that's very important to see. Uh, the offensive fluidity is obviously huge. Uh, this is something that they struggled with. But a lot of the things that, you know, Tech struggled in last year also, I think for me, uh, would not be seen until obviously they get into game time. Uh, you know, they, they had a really big issue finishing games. They had really uh, being consistent from half to half was a huge issue for them uh, last year. Um, and, and like you said, Nick, they start off pretty dang hot. You know, you get Clemson, Mississippi, and UCF in three of your first four games. You know that that's no you know that's no you know slouch whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, that's 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 easily a one in three start if you're not if you don't you know hit the ground running. And so their reps, I think, are even more important than your average team. Not just because Jeff Collins' job is probably on the line, but also because your reps in spring, unless there's major turnover or major or you ha are waiting for some type of enrollees from your freshman class to come in and make a major impact, this is probably going to be somewhat of what your team looks like come fall time at least from a personnel standpoint uh maybe not from how they look on the field but from the guys that are there more than likely unless obviously you know a couple of guys have a really really big fall camp and, and wow a couple of people uh missouri is weird now because of the fact that uh j uh jt daniels was there um i don't know if it and we kind of talked about this we hinted at this whether or not you know a transfer coming in after your spring practice especially at the quarterback position takes away from the reps that were happening uh, i think it does from the quarterback perspective but otherwise i think it's imperative. I think it's important for everybody else to get those reps in. Um, I checked it. Missouri spring game was on SEC plus SEC network plus last year. Um, so I don't have I, any idea I why just, they weren't I was just scrolling through and some of the uh, highlights do have like the, the, like the SEC or SEC plus graphics uh, banner down at the bottom. So I'm, I'm maybe we can find a, a you know, replay of it somewhere, but I just apparently missed it. But it, it might be accessible somewhere. Uh, I just haven't gotten to it yet. If not, I'm sure somebody's dad had had it, their, you know, somebody's yeah, dad was out there recording, you know, the whole thing. So uh, we, we can get it somewhere for sure. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. I interrupted you, though, Xavier. Was there? Uh... Oh, no. I just think that, you know, at this point, it's kind of like they brought JT Daniels almost like a, a official visit, like he was a recruit. You know, they bring him in for the spring game. You know, you, you get to wow him with your spring practice. You show how, you know, what you could do in that offense. It probably was a coach that was like literally in his ear that was like, hey, right. this could be you. Like, show off you Burton, right? 
I mean, yeah, you know, like something, right? Uh, who, you know, uh, exactly. And like, look at the talent that you could be walking in on. Uh, I just think that it was kind of funny how they used their spring game like a recruiting trip, which I think more teams should do when recruiting transfer, you know, possible transfer kids uh, or, or kids in the transfer portal. I think a, a spring game is the perfect place to bring them in. All Not only because of that, because for the most part, like Nick and I and we all alluded to, media may or may not be there. So you might get away with it to an extent. Like you might just have the better uh, the better visit because ESPN is not going to report on it because in the case of Missouri, it doesn't even look like they may have been there or not. Who knows? Uh, so I, I like the idea of JT Daniels going there. Uh, obviously, they were in the Jay and Daniels sweepstakes, like we said. Um, and, yeah, I think it would be a really cool landing spot. And, obviously, we play him this year. And when I say we, I mean Georgia. So we get to see him in a new offense with, with some new weapons. And I think Drinkwitz will have a great will have great fun with him at quarterback, to be perfectly honest with you. And we've got a bunch of teams wrapping up their practices with their games uh, here uh, pretty soon. Western Michigan, San Diego State, San Jose State will all, uh, you know, ha have their spring games this week. And then before the next time we talk, like I said, we're going to take a week off there. Southern Miss, Michigan, Charlotte, Louisville, Georgia State are all going to be uh, coming up here. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, with spring games do come some injuries. And we did have one, Aiden. Oh, man, I'm going to try it here. Uh, Kiana Anoa suffered a torn ACL last week, a big defensive tackle for Notre Dame. Hasn't played a lot, but was uh, expected to compete for a spot. So pretty big loss for the Irish here, Nick. Yeah, and, and more so, you know, certainly we, we don't, uh, you know, we're sad to see anybody who, who suffers an injury, especially in practice or, or spring practice. And it's not so much that he's a, expected to be a major impact player but this is every coach's you know worst fear when you get out there in the spring and and we talked about it in recent weeks that uh, might be why some of the teams like Missouri like Georgia Tech wanted to be very early in kicking off spring practice because if uh, you know something were to happen with a, a you know a player going down with an ACL the more time that you've got to recover before the season, the better. So uh, hopefully he'll be able to get back and, and be uh, part of that too deep, you know, this fall, but uh, from a pure football, you know, perspective, it's, it's uh, injuries like this impact depth, certainly. And, and we've talked before as well that uh, some of the most coveted players in the transfer portal, they don't always get the, the headlines of the quarterbacks, but, Interior defensive linemen and, and offensive linemen uh, are are hot commodities, uh, and when you lose a guy that you know you were thinking could go in and at the very least spell, uh, you know a starter for a series or a play or, or whatever it is, um, you know that that's going to hurt because there's going to be some attrition during the fall as well. So you want to be as, as uh, fully healthy as possible going into the season and always hate to hear something like that, but I'm sure we'll hear more uh, in the coming weeks as well. Yeah, it's brutal. I mean, uh, Xavier, you, you've been around those. What um, it, does it deflate um, the team when a guy gets hurt in spring? Does it, you just feel bad for him? It's like, how's the feeling? It's a reality shock. I'll be honest with you. Um, when it happens in fall, and when it happens during the season, like, you know, you're almost like, okay, cool. We're, we're going 100%. We're ramping up for this. When it happens in spring, it feels so much more sobering because nine times out of 10, you know, a major injury in spring will obviously affect what you're able to do in the fall. And, and like, whether, you know, uh, this kid or whether, you know, when, when George Pickens, it happened to last year, a lot of times for players, it makes you, it, for some players, I could definitely speak on it. It definitely makes you maybe lessen up a little bit. Maybe it makes you rein it in just a tad bit uh, when, when, you, when you're in spring practice, realizing that, hey, there's no season, like, immediately. Like, let's make sure everybody in this family, everybody in this group can make it to the fall. Then whatever happens at that point, we're fighting for a job. All bets are off. But in the springtime, it's really about getting pertinent reps. Yes, you can shift jobs at that point, but nine times out of ten, you are only going to make a real, real big step come fall camp. So when you get an injury in the spring or, or another teammate does, it's very sobering for everybody involved. And we've got a bunch of camps opening here uh, pretty soon. Uh, we've got inside the top 25 this week, 
USC, Penn State, TCU, Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, Texas, Utah, Tennessee, Wisconsin, Iowa, Mississippi State, LSU, all opening this week. So huge, enormous week of these camps opening. And, you know, this is when we'll start shifting off of weird articles to what is happening on the field articles, a ton of them. And uh, like you mentioned here on the notes, a lot of new coaches and offensive systems at TCU, Texas Tech, WKU, Nevada, Colorado State, Hawaii, Washington State, all going to be firing up. And also the MAC champion, Northern Illinois, Mountain West Conference champion, Utah State, Fresno State, uh, James Madison, Lots and tons and tons of teams opening up here, Nick. So I guess what is it you're most looking forward to out of this big crop, which there's a ton. So, you know, good luck narrowing it, narrowing it down. But what are you uh, looking forward to the most seeing in uh, practice and game uh, spring practice and game battles going on here? Well, I, I think that the new coaches, new systems are – uh, a big piece of it. And, and, you know, in those same conversations we had about some programs want to start early and injury concern might be part of that. Uh, some want to start late, maybe because they've got uh, a completely new coaching staff or, or in, you know, installing a uh, new, you know, potentially complicated offense or defense uh, and want as much time on the front end to prepare for that sort of thing uh, as possible. But, you know, what, what is LSU going to look like under Brian Kelly? What's USC going to look like under uh, Lincoln Riley? At, at this point in the early offseason, a lot of the narrative seems to be, uh, for most folks, that, that USC is perhaps one of the most improved teams in college football. Uh, it, it's, you know, tempting to say that they're potentially going to be overrated again, but, you know, maybe they do actually – have the the things in place now to make a big jump and, and become one of the uh, real contenders in the Pac-12 or, or for a playoff spot. Uh, LSU, it seems like, you know, similar situation there, a, a, a coach taking over a an incredibly talented program. But from my perspective, it seems like the, the thoughts on LSU uh, or the expectations going in maybe aren't – people don't have – a whole lot of, you know, high expectations right now. People think, you know, Brian Kelly obviously has been a little goofy so far and, and uh, that, you know, he rubs some people the wrong way anyway. And, and um, so perhaps there's a thought that it just, you know, isn't a good fit and it isn't going to work out very well. But I, you know, part of the reason you mentioned a couple of times that we're going to be taking a week off, a uh, big reason for that is because I'm making the, the last final push and, and basically need uh, as much time as I can possibly uh, devote to finishing up and, and kind of polishing off the new uh, 2022 FBS team profiles, which will be published uh, on April 1st and available to our uh, Patreon supporters. And I'm, I'm not quite, you know, done yet. I wouldn't say that these are, are any sort of official uh, rankings, but based on what I've done so far and the point we are currently, uh, I just did for my own you know, curiosity, uh, what are our current power rankings? And I will say that LSU is much higher than I expected <laughs> uh, they, they were going to be. So, uh, and, and much higher than USC actually also. So uh, that is, you know, kind of interesting to, to see how those two programs specifically compare and sort of our, our thoughts behind them and the fact that those were two of the, you know, biggest uh, coaching moves that we've seen in recent history from, you know, one winning program to another from Oklahoma to, to USC and from Notre Dame to, to LSU. So those certainly caught my eye. I'm, I'm really curious to see what the situation is going to be at a place like Texas Tech. You know, we, we talked last week about that offensive system. Who's going to take over at quarterback? Are they going to be able to implement it as smoothly as they did at, at Western Kentucky? Is this going to be a position where, you know, one interesting thought, kind of taking it out, you know, two or three steps, but the big 12 is going to be changing a lot pretty soon. And will Texas tech, uh, Texas tech be able to put itself in a position um, 
to where it actually could be, you know, once Texas and Oklahoma move on to the SEC, one of the top challengers in the Big 12. Is there a, a, a path to Texas Tech actually elevating its uh, program prestige? And, and, you know, we're not going to know whether or not that's realistic uh, when they open up spring practice in two days or whatever it is. But but it's just a thought that's, you know, in my mind. They're, they're transitioning with the coaching staff. They are uh, – going to a new offensive system and in some ways it's going back to their you know the period uh or, or the system that they had in place similar to when they had their greatest success you know are they going to be able to capture that you know sort of lightning in a bottle and, and elevate their program and then just uh you know like we've talked about in weeks past new quarterbacks Ole Miss Oklahoma Texas uh, you know, there are some teams that have the potential to bounce back. Texas is in that conversation uh, often, but, you know, TCU, Penn State are, are some teams that I think underachieved quite a bit last year and have the potential, you know, certainly to uh, get back in that top 25 conversation. But then on the flip side of things, there are teams that, you know, really did uh, put together some uh, great years in, in Baylor and Oklahoma State's case played for the Big 12 title. Uh, both, you know, finished in the top 10, I believe, in, in the national rankings. Are they going to be able to sustain that success? Tennessee took a step forward. Are they going to be able to, you know, take a, a, a another step maybe to challenging in the SEC East? And then teams like Wisconsin and Iowa, Iowa, who uh, started out so well, climbed up as high as number two uh, in the rankings early on. You know, Wisconsin consistently is is seems like is right there on the cusp of uh breaking through and and maybe making a run at the uh the playoff i know a lot of analytical systems really like wisconsin and, and i think ours you know will be in that uh mix as well i think they're they're probably going to be a pretty uh you know highly ranked preseason team for us so that in addition to just on the other you know the far other end of the spectrum I mean, you've got teams that are completely changing over their roster, like Nevada, Hawaii, uh, Navy seems to do it just about every year. Uh, you know, Colorado State is is changing a lot, but different with Nevada because they're basically filling their roster with guys who, you know, played for Nevada last year. Um, just a, a ton of different interesting moves with uh, any sort of storyline. You can see this is part of the reason why I kind of, uh, you know, I guess the I, I said to sort of ignore the silly headlines because there's yeah, so much yeah. interesting stuff that's here. actually you know, I would right. I would read about because I just uh, you know two days ago uh, updated the Nevada team page for for 2022 and you know went through the the new roster and the uh, recruiting class and all that stuff and if anybody's seen uh, you know our our team profiles in the past and and we use a light blue color to indicate. Uh, you know, transfers coming in. There's a lot of light yeah. blue for Nevada. It's getting for peppered Colorado. everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. And there are a lot of empty spots. I mean, there are, there are uh, guys who haven't played very much football who right now, you know, because there are basically there's nobody else uh, have to pencil in as starters or, or major contributors. So um, I think that in those sort of situations and, you know, uh, Nevada gets, some, some decent coverage there locally. Not every program does, so we might not learn a whole lot, especially about a, a you know group of five program. But I, I'm just going to be very interested to see what can we actually learn from some of these new situations, whether it's personnel wise or uh, you know who's really picking up the new system well, who's uh, kind of the buzz of camp, and and uh, there's there's always you know, plenty to talk about with, with these sort of things. And this particular group of teams, I think perhaps more than any we've had yet, uh, there are maybe more of those types of storylines available to us, or, or I expect we will get those in, in, you know, the next month or so while these teams are starting spring practice and, and you know, as they work toward their spring games. Xavier, what, what are you looking forward to most with all of these big schools kicking off here this week? Yeah, like I'm super excited for Quinn Ewers. Like I, I, yeah. I don't know. If I'm, like obviously that's gonna get you hype, Scott, for, for obvious reasons. But you know, I, for me, this is a, an amazing time to start. You know, putting together 
that, that Heisman dark horse kind of situation. If you want to get way too early type thing, situations, right? Like the, like if it comes out and Quinn Ewers has an amazing spring game, I might drop a $10, you know, bet on him possibly competing for the Heisman. Like it, 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 it's that time of the year as well, where if you want to put in a way, way too early bet that may pan out for you later down the line, this is the time to do it. Um, and I think you can come out of spring practice with a lot of good information in that case. Um, so the quarterback, obviously, uh, Ole Miss is another one for me, um, because of the fact that, you know, Lane Kiffin seems to be, I would say the quarterback guru, quote unquote, or, you know, he, he his offense seems to work everywhere he goes. Uh, so obviously with a new quarterback, no Matt Corral, let's see how he, how his new offense handles it. You know, let's see if he focuses more on the defense this year, if that's what he, you know, if he talks them up as he's done in the past, uh, Nick, you know, highlighted it, you know, here. LSU, the, the new coaching systems for me are, are very exciting at the top. Obviously, USC and LSU, not just only because, you know, they're the, they're the bigger names, but both of these teams, I think, have fixed a lot of their issues through the transfer portal. And I kind of want to see how this works. Like They're kind of like the guinea pigs with this whole situation. Uh, but, but by going into the transfer portal as much as they have in this year, I want to see how well that meshes, meshes in spring practice, uh, you know, and how well that they're able to, you know, teach these guys the new system and, and and things of that nature because of the fact that, you know, LSU and USC, if I'm not mistaken, Nick, were the two teams that had the most or at least uh, finished, you know, tops in, in uh, 247's uh, transfer ranking, rankings this year. Uh, so I, I want to see how that crop of talent from all over the place as they come in meshes uh, under one unit with a brand new coach, because essentially it's like a bunch of, I would say it's not, it's not like a bunch of freshmen coming in because you have previous injuries, you have previous schemes that you've run in the past, but it does give that kind of feeling of like, you've got a new recruiting class coming in. It just so happens to be, you know, sophomores, juniors, and possibly even seniors. Now uh, the transfer portal got a little interesting this week, you know, not like it's, not interesting. <laughs> like never quiet. <laughs> right. Like it not, it's never, it's always Rico's time is now. Right. So we know that, but, uh, Emory Jones, uh, finally entered in the transfer portal, kind of an expected move. We thought at some point here, the quarterback for Florida, um, and Ulysses Bentley, uh, announced his intention to transfer to Ole Miss. Another, uh, smaller move, Notre Dame tight end, George Takis, uh, went to Boston college with Phil Dracovic there. So, um, a couple big time moves here, Nick. I mean, Emory Jones now is in play for, you know, looks like there could be a decent P5 fit, but a lot of G5 fits too for him. So, uh, what do you think of Emory Jones being on the move, Bentley going to Ole Miss, and Takis moving on to Boston College? So Jones is obviously the big one, and you know there there were uh, reports that he was going to enter the transfer portal uh, before they even played the bowl game last year in the Gasparilla Bowl. Uh, and then after Florida lost to UCF, it seemed like a you know foregone conclusion that he was going to uh, leave. And then he just never, never did. Um, it sounded like, you know, he wanted to maybe stick around, see what the coaching transition uh, was going to be like. Billy Napier in recent weeks has, has uh, really praised Jones a lot. Um, I believe, a day or two even before uh, the news broke that he had officially entered the transfer portal. Uh, Napier was, was talking about how, you know, uh, how highly he thought of Jones since, uh, uh, you know, the, the two uh, got to know one another there in Gainesville. But, um, you know, Emory Jones is a, is a player. I was always, I always really liked him. I, I like his skill set. He's got a really strong arm. Uh, I like his athleticism, how well, you know, he can create, but he has been very inconsistent and, you know, hasn't uh, made a whole lot of strides over the last, you know, couple of years. And, and part of that, he, you know, was just sort of inserted in, in uh, obvious, you know, quarterback run situations a little bit as his first few years on campus. He played in 37 games, uh, but only started 12 and, and wasn't put in great positions. It seemed like a lot early on, uh, but when he really was given the opportunity last year, he, he you know, he struggled. He uh, looked like he lost his grip on the job a little bit to Anthony Richardson. And then with Richardson uh, dealing with some injuries, you know, Jones was able to uh, kind of hold him off and, and ended up starting 12 games. But he's, he's uh, a, a quarterback, I think, still has 
quite a bit of potential, but, you know, maybe the confidence has taken a hit. Um, you know, maybe they're, I, I, I know that Dan Mullen hasn't always uh, gotten rave reviews for his ability to um, develop quarterbacks. He certainly has had good quarterbacks and, and has had good quarterback play at, at times. But um, anyway, I, I it, it seems like there were a handful of teams that uh, got a lot of early interest, showed a lot of early interest in Jones. The biggest one, uh, perhaps most obvious, being Arizona State. After Jaden Daniels left, that quarterback room is is pretty thin right now. Paul Tyson, the transfer from Alabama, is is uh, probably the projected starter there. Um, and you know Jones would have a pretty good shot at, at a Power Five starting job if he were to transfer to Arizona State. Uh, I know you know there were some some folks uh, who noticed that coaches from. North Texas, Akron, Arkansas State, and Rice started following uh, Jones on you know social media accounts. Um, there were some other names kind of rumored to be linked today. I saw a, a short video that uh, Mike Farrell of Rivals posted where he said that uh, Cal, Duke, Oregon State, and even UCLA might have an interest in uh jones and, and oregon state of course it depends on what jt daniels end up deciding to do because he's in the mix there but i you know i'm i'm intrigued i think there are some potential landing spots that would be a lot of fun and uh pharrell made the the comparison to malik willis who of course left auburn and and took the opportunity at liberty uh you know, non-Power 5 program and and really was able to uh, put up some really good numbers, impress, you know, pro- play pretty freely. And Willis was able to, you know, obviously capture, recapture some of what made him a, a four-star prospect. And now he looks like the, you know, potential top quarterback taken in, in uh, the upcoming NFL draft. I'm not sure if there's a situation here that would put Emory Jones in that uh category or or you know put him on that trajectory but i guess it's not out of the realm of possibility um but i'm you know if if i had to choose one i i just uh you know if i were to choose my perfect spot for for emory jones uh i'm not sure i would choose arizona state that just doesn't seem like a great situation all around um to want to put yourself you know, into, you've got two years to play. I still think there's a, you know, decent shot that that coaching staff will completely turn over uh, in the next year or so. But do you want to, you know, it's sort of a, uh, what does your ego let you do? We talked about it a little bit with, with, uh, you know, Corey Rucker last week. He is in a you know position where he's being uh, recruited by some SEC programs, uh, transferring from from Arkansas State, or he has you know the opportunity to maybe reconnect with either you know, former head coach or, or quarterback uh, at a Group of Five program. And will his ego say you know hey I, I need to go up and and you know want to play against the best of the best, compete against the best of the best? Or do I want to, you know, go to a situation where I, I probably would be in a position to put up the best numbers or, or whatever that is? I feel like Jones has a little bit of, of a similar uh, decision to make because, you know, hey, he was a highly rated guy coming out of high school, uh, was former, you know, has been the starter at Florida, um, which is pretty close to a blue chip, you know, blue, blue blood type program. Uh and if if you you know maybe you do call it a blue blood I don't know that's a whole other debate that we get into this time of year, uh, but you know do do you go for something like that or do you say you know what maybe I just need to maybe I do need to drop down a little bit in the competition I'm playing maybe I do need to go to a situation where uh, an offense will be completely built around me where you know. Akron, kind of an interesting, kind of an interesting one. Joe Moorhead, you know, new head coach there, uh, has had some success with quarterbacks with uh, Emory Jones's type of skill set. 
has brought in some talented transfers, expectations are basically non-existent. Um, do you just go somewhere like that and, and have fun for you know a couple of years and, and maybe get in a position where you can uh, go out and, and just you know put up great numbers on you know Maction Tuesday nights? I don't know. It, it, it's going to be very interesting to me to see where he lands. Uh, there are certainly some Power Five situations, you know, the Cal, the Duke. Uh, I don't think he'd start probably at UCLA. Darian Thompson Robinson's still there. But do you want to go to a place like that where I expect Cal and Duke to be among the lowest rated Power Five teams in our power rankings coming into the season? Do you want to, you know, sign up for a situation like that where there's not a whole lot of talent? around you, but you are playing a higher level of, of competition, or do you want to, you know, drop down and, and play in uh, maybe the MAC or Conference USA, uh, even the Sun Belt, Arkansas State sounds like was interested. So uh, I don't know. I, I feel like the the range of potential outcomes is, is pretty wide here. Yeah, it's enormous um, for Jones for sure. And I could see scenarios where they all work out well for him i could see scenarios where they all just really don't so uh i'm going to be very curious to see where he ends up and and i think if i could choose i would like to see him go the the g5 route um but even that you know has has some uh you know potential uh things that could could trip him up as well because if if you go there and it doesn't work out then you really you know what? 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 Where? Where do you go from there? So, uh, I don't know. It's it's an intriguing one. Uh, the other two, Ulysses Bentley. I, I think that's a, an interesting fit because they already have Zach Evans transferred in from TCU. But you get both those guys. You know, Ole Miss uh, split the carries pretty evenly last year, and has you know that that Lane Kiffin and and his offensive coordinators have utilized multiple running backs at the same time. If the you're, CFF guys are pissed. I bet, but you know the from the NFL draft standpoint, probably yeah. pretty happy because hey, Bentley and Evans, you're not going to run either one of them into the ground, uh, and so it it sounded like even there was some hope on Evans's part that that they bring in another uh, really good guy so that he wouldn't put a whole lot of you know, tread on his tires for the NFL. I don't know if that's just speculation or, or what, but uh, it's it's interesting. And, and you know, from a pure college football perspective, two really good running backs are better than one. Uh, you can have a guy fresh in the fourth quarter. If, uh, God forbid, injury, ha- you know, hits, you, you've got uh, some insurance there. So I, I feel like it's a good move for both Bentley and uh, Ole Miss. And then I'm, I'm going to have to dig a little deeper on Takis, but, you know, Notre Dame has produced uh, a lot of quality tight ends, a lot of NFL uh, tight ends and future pros. And, and um, Michael Mayer is one of the best, if not the best, in college football right now. And Takis just wasn't going to get, you know, as much uh, opportunity perhaps as he will now at Boston College. I know that, you know, Tommy Trimble was, what, a third-round pick or something and basically wasn't used at all in the passing game. Um, so it's That's not out of the realm rule. of – Yeah, well, it's not out of the realm of, of possibility that Takis would have had a bright NFL future even if he stayed at Notre Dame, but it seems like this move might set him up for more opportunities to really showcase his, his pure – uh, or, or you know, all the skills that he's got, his, his whole skill set. So uh, that'll be an interesting one, especially with – what seems like a, a pretty steady pipeline of uh, you know Notre Dame tight ends. They they recruit and develop that position pretty well. So it's going to be interesting to see how that uh, translates for Tackus moving on to another program where perhaps he'll get a little bit more uh, chance to show what he can do. Xavier, your thoughts on uh, these moves? I mean, Emory Jones, like uh, Nick said, has just a wide range of potential outcomes here. So Nick named everybody. So I'm not going to go through all the names again, <laughs> but. He didn't name one that I think would be really, really fun. I'm just, it's just going to be a really, really fun scenario. What if Emory decided to go to Georgia Southern and help Clay Helton turn over that program to the offense that he wants to run 
Clay Helton is more of a spread guy, so I don't think the terminology would be that much different for him. It wouldn't be that honestly for for for, uh, for Emory. I think it wouldn't be that much of a drastic change. Um, not only that, but he is a Georgia native. Not only that, but Statesboro is only about three and a half hours from Gainesville, so he wouldn't even be in a different weather uh, scenario. He I'm, thank I mean, God Urban Meyer isn't the coach there. <laughs> he wouldn't want Emory. We know that. So I, I think. I think Georgia Southern would be a weird one, but it would just be a really, really fun situation for Emory Jones to carry the torch of Georgia Southern into the future because he does have two years left. I, I agree that'd be very interesting. They and perhaps the Georgia Southern coaching staff is kicking itself a little bit. They already added a, a transfer, Calvin Treese from Buffalo. Uh, Emory Jones probably better, certainly. Uh, yeah. That would be an interesting fit, but. Uh, that, that was my only thought because, yeah, I mean, Georgia Southern, that does seem like a pretty nice natural fit and and could certainly work. But, you know, maybe maybe they don't care. Maybe they say we're, we're a new staff and we got to get, you know, as many guys in here and, and let the best one win. Uh, so that would certainly be interesting. I agree. All right. So moving on here, we've got uh, the last big move that we want to talk about on the show today, and that is the – we mentioned a little bit earlier the big time recruit from ten uh, going to Tennessee uh, in five star QB Nico. Mm, uh, I'm a Lieva is how I'm gonna say it. I'm a Lieva. So, um, but uh, you know, big big time recruit uh, picking Tennessee over some other big schools. I know uh, Georgia was interested, Alabama, Oregon. Uh, I'm sure many many others. He could probably do you know the. Uh, Oh, what do you call it? The snow angel with all of the letters that he had. So, um, but uh, eventually landed on Tennessee and a huge get for the volunteers, Nick. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and again, I don't, I don't dive too much into recruiting until all is said and done. There's still a chance uh, that this, you know, doesn't work out and, and he doesn't sign. I, I guess, I think maybe the NIL deal complicates that a, a little bit, but um yeah, I mean, on, on the surface, assuming all goes according to plan, it's it's a potential big deal for Tennessee. And and I will fully admit I haven't, you know, seen even any highlights. I've just heard a couple of other people, uh, you know, express some real optimism about uh, his ability, athleticism, you know, the, the way he uh, just obviously he's a, he's a five-star talent. So you would expect that, that there's superstar potential there on the field. And assuming that, you know, comes to pass and, and he performs really well to that level could be a game changer for a program like Tennessee that, uh, you know, I, for the last however long, two decades, the SEC West has been, far and away the the tougher division, right? And we don't know 100% for sure if the SEC will keep an east and west alignment in, uh, you know, when, once the uh, expansion happens and, and Texas and Oklahoma join. But assuming they do or, or you know, pretending they will, um, Tennessee has an opportunity to establish itself as the biggest threat to Georgia in the East. Florida certainly is, is always going to be in that conversation. Uh, but Tennessee is, is obviously fallen off a, a bit, showed a lot of progress in year one, overachieved my expectations uh, in year one under Josh Heupel. Uh, but you get an offense like that and a quarterback like this, the potential, the ceiling is, is sky high. So um, again, if all goes according to plan and, and if, uh, you know, I'm a I apologize. That was horrible. Uh, if he, he, you know, lives up to that expectation, lives up to that potential as a five-star uh, prospect, then has has the potential to be a game changer in uh, that pocket in in the SEC, and and potentially could, you know, Tennessee if if they're beating Alabama and Georgia specifically for a guy like this. Um, not only do they benefit from him, but the other two don't have an opportunity to, to you know, use him. That's like a double. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm completely butchering everything here, but uh, 
it's it's nothing but good news if you're a Tennessee fan and has the potential to pay off to be a, a big time um, step in the right direction for that program as a whole. Xavier, you pay attention more to recruiting than Nick or I. So, I mean, this is a huge gift for Tennessee. And like Nick mentioned, I mean, it just moves them forward in the right direction here to becoming a powerhouse uh, in the country like they were before. Yeah, and like, and like Nick was attempting to so eloquently say, yes, absolutely. It takes him away from Georgia, Alabama, Florida, your rivals. And so that's a double, you know, it's, it's a win. It's a win-win situation for Tennessee in this. In this. And I think, you know, immediately alarm bells went off in everybody and every other fan base's head that this had to be NIL. Um, there have been some rumors around that. Um, I've heard as, many, as much as $8 million in NIL deal uh, with Spire, which is a, a Tennessee affiliate. Uh, but hey, that's the landscape we're in now. You know, yeah. it, it, it's no longer dirty money. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's no longer a random Cadillac at, at a kid's house who, who lives in an apartment complex. Like this is this is where we are now. And I think that you know it, it can be in situations like with Tennessee, it can be a great equalizer. Uh, you know, Tennessee obviously is not a poor university whatsoever, and wants to be really good at football. And I think when you're able to go out and get a guy like this who is the highest rated quarterback that they've had in two decades. It's as far as recruiting ranking is concerned, uh, according to two, four, seven, it definitely gives you an opportunity there to, to, to really maximize what's going on. Uh, now, like Nick said, we've got a long way till he puts pen to paper, a long way till he puts pen to paper. Yeah. Um, and like we saw with Travis Hunter this year, somebody could swoop in with something even better, something that looks even nicer. And uh, yeah, you could lose it just like that. Um, and I, I think though that, you know, with a, with a team like Tennessee, other teams that are like them and in their situation could follow this same blueprint. Uh, I'm thinking about an Oklahoma state. I'm thinking about a Michigan state. Um, those, those not maybe the top two or three teams in their own conference, but maybe that four or five team, as far as name and, and, and size may be, uh, you know, I, I think they could follow right in, in their footsteps, being able to get some of these five stars that are, are, you know, maybe not the number one kid in the country, but the number three kid in the country. And it's like, ah, womp. You know, uh, so I, I, I think that it's a great move for them. Uh, if he is able to get to Tennessee and he is able to succeed, uh, Hendon Hooker, uh, with that offense, I, I would love to see what, you know, uh, a kid could do with it starting from his freshman year all the way through. Uh, obviously, that would keep me up at night for the Tennessee game. But I would still like to see it every other time that they played anybody else. Um, so, yeah, I, and to be honest with you, I think this is the landscape. I don't know if you guys saw it, uh, but DJ Uyunglele's dad, Big Dave, uh, tweeted out like two weeks ago about his uh, his little brother, and he was like, "Hey, if you want him, come pay for him." Like that was essentially what yeah. he said. He said, "You want him, come get him. Whoever offers the most, it's who you know. It's the it's a bidding war." And his uh, his little brother DJ is, is a is the number one tight end slash linebacker, I believe, in the country. It's a five star. Uh, you know, so he just keeps spitting out athletes. But yeah, he was like, "If you want him, come get him." And and he and he put the back to the emojis. He put the cash emoji <laughs> and the flying cash emoji right next to him with a devil face. And it was like, oh, okay, Man. we see what you're about, Big Dave. We see and what I, we understand. And I thought it was bad when uh, uh, Nick was talking about the uh, coaches following uh, players here. Uh, Xavier here with two weeks in a row with a emoji breakdown uh, of the tweets. So uh, yeah, at least it's enjoyable. But, yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off, Xavier. Um, but uh, – I mean, Tennessee, uh, do you think Tennessee is going to get back to being a dominant, at least recruiting program? Of course, you know, m many, uh, there's even another UT that has recruited well and not put it together. Yeah, I mean, that's that's where it comes down to. Tennessee's always been a team, at least in my lifetime, that has recruited above uh, good to great, right? But this is also a team that has rarely been able to, able to put that on the field and maximize what those kids were able to do, which is why we saw the mass exodus from them, you know, over the last year uh, or well, two years ago um, at this point. But, yeah, I, it's all about what you can do on the field. Star ratings mean nothing when you put the pad, pads on. I mean, it's cool to have a bunch of five stars, but, you know, only, only when another coach talks about how good your five stars are, like Shane Bieber did with Georgia last year, does that really actually matter. All right. Well, look, that is going to wrap it up for us for this week. And this is actually going to be for two weeks. So uh, Nick has got to get his Hunter S. Thompson on and finish those sheets. It's going to be a lot of 
late nights and all that good stuff uh, to to get it updated. But uh, you need we to get like see. a Nick montage where like he like starts off like cracking his knuckles like this, and then he, he talks <laughs> like the, we give him like a fictitious typewriter and it's like ting 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 ting, ting and you get the voiceover and it's like it would, my dearest college football. Ting 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 ting. <laughs> it would be the most boring montage anyone will ever have seen. It's, it's I mean okay. Click working on the... working on Google Sheets is not very exciting. <laughs> yeah. I know that you know it, it's <laughs> tedious. So, but it's necessary. I mean, a, a hundred times already, I've I've done and literally a hundred times. Uh, you know, I start with the two four seven sports. You know, the the recruiting sheet. Were there any transfers I missed? Okay, if you know, then once I make sure I have all those. Uh, have to go to the official online roster. Are there, you know, is that updated? Are there any seniors that uh, I can tell, you know, don't have eligibility or, or uh, left before their eligibility was up? Yeah, this movie pitch. This, I mean, this movie pitch is yeah. as bad as you said, Nick. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. You see, you see the difference, though. You see the way how you couldn't I even get. It. Let me get halfway but, through. You. No, I, I can't. I, I, no, I, no. I was pitching the network. Yeah, yeah. Look. Yeah. Uh, what we want is a finished product, right? That's, that's what everybody wants. And that's, that's the most you know, important thing. And that's it, why, right. uh, we'll, we'll take a break next week. That's right. We're going to get but, it done. Uh, after that, then we will be able to start diving into, you know, actual, uh, rankings and, and what teams have changed the most. I'll actually have real numbers to be able to refer to. So that's, that's part of it for me too. I'm, I'm excited to, yeah. you know, get all this done, get, get you guys the finished product and then we can start to say, okay, what actually do the numbers say? What do they mean? What are the projections? All that good stuff. So uh, next time we this talk, is... well, hopefully I'll be a little more rested. And secondly, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be Same. you know pretty excited to, to share hopefully uh, a lot of updates and, and uh, you know, some good stuff for uh, our listeners and, and our Patreon supporters, of course, as well. This is Nick's version of spring practice right here. So, uh, and uh, the spring game is getting the sheet out the first time. So, remember, you can follow us all on Twitter at Bogman Sports for myself, at CFB Winning Edge for Nick, at Xavier underscore Trish, T R I C H E for Xavier. We will see you guys in two weeks. Take it easy, everybody. Thank you to our Patreon supporters for keeping our show ad free and for funding our wide range of college football analytics projects. Thanks also to Blake Austin for our theme music. To learn more about CFB Winning Edge, visit patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge or follow us on Twitter at CFB Winning Edge.